0: Okay, I did that thing again that I do, and I don't unmute, so sorry about that. Welcome to Calling All Useful Idiots. This is the call-in show that we do at Useful Idiots after Monday morning. Monday morning, of course, is when we go over the Sunday morning news shows that we watch so that you don't have to. Make sure to subscribe to our sub stack at, YouTube at whoops, usefulidiots.substack.com. Also, uh, subscribe to our YouTube at youtubecom idiots. Listen to our podcast. Rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And one of the reasons you want to sign up for the Substack is because you get great bonus content, extended interviews, and a couple of great features, including the Thursday Throwdown, which is when we react to um, to media that's not just on the Sunday morning news shows. So. Without any further ado, please do share this, by the way, so that we get as many people on this call as possible, because that's always a good time. Without any further ado, well, we already got some questions, so let's bring in No War. Chris.
1: Good morning.
0: Good morning.
1: I was just going to ask both of you what your thoughts were about uh, uh, that article. I think it was Daily caller daily something the about covering the twitter reactions to taibbi's uh twitter files thing on friday evening and how coordinated it seemed that everybody was calling it pr for the world's richest person like that was in almost all of the mainstream media tweets that that discussed it and what you guys think of that like it it kind of it makes me question whether there's like you guys remember Journalist and there was like a an internal listserv that oh, yeah. and Ezra Klein started and got blown up because, and Dave Weigel got fired from uh, Washington Post back in the day for being on that and him calling some libertarians some names or something at a, at a Rand Paul thing on an internal, but it, it, the I think why it got shut down at the time was because... The narrative that was pushed, whether it was true or not, was that all these journalists were in the background having their own private conversation, and and that was controlling their narrative on stories. And it seems that way when you see what people were saying about Matt Taibbi's tweet uh, or Twitter files released on Friday evening, um, including Mehdi Hassan and and uh, and Collins and and all of these people who said. Very, very similar things. I guess, is there, I guess I'm sounding maybe a little conspiratorial, but how did they all come up with that same language? And did you guys have the same reaction to it that I did that it seemed maybe a little coordinated in some way because of how similar it was?
2: Well, I don't know how coordinated it was. Sometimes, you know, just groupthink works in powerful ways and people. Because they're sufficiently enlisted in the, you know, doctrines of like whatever the party line is, uh, then they just come to that to that talking point on their own. But I also wouldn't be surprised if there's like a DM group on Twitter with a bunch of people who share the same views, and then someone wrote in it like, "Oh, he's doing PR for the world's richest man, and then maybe people just picked it up from there. Who knows? Um, but the fact that he was the Matt was so vilified for doing this um, does underscore to me just how kind of cognitively captured some of these you know, self-proclaimed journalists are in attacking him just for getting, he, he put out accurate information, he didn't put anything false um, you, you can argue that you don't think of the story as a big deal, that Twitter suppressed uh, a story you can argue that uh, you don't like that Matt put it out on Twitter and didn't do an article about whatever, but just the act of attacking him for reporting on it I think I thought was very silly and, um, but that's what happens. It's like, you know, like when, when I would do stuff on Gate, one of the attacks I would get is like, Oh, like, why do you only talk about that? And, and it's not even true that I did do that, but I talk about other things too, but also it's like, why are you attacking someone for the act of reporting on something? The question is whether it's accurate or not, not the act of them doing it. And, um,
1: yeah, so that's I, an overarching theme with you, Aaron, is people attack you and say, these like ad hominem things, but don't ever attack the yeah, yeah the, sure. uh, the substance.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, look, I mean, uh, uh, I didn't read the entire thread because uh, it
1: was, was a very long thread. It was so, substantial, yeah.
2: Yeah, but what I saw, what I saw, had some really interesting stuff. Like for example, there's a there's a part where this guy Yoel Roth, who was played a major role in suppressing the story, he writes to someone else on Twitter saying, "Yeah, we don't know actually, we we don't know that this is." Him hacked material but because of 2016 let's err on the side of caution and and suppress it and so what he's saying is we have no idea whether or not this comes from russia but let's just assume that it is uh russian disinformation so let's censor it accordingly and you just can't make a decision on how you feel like, like you have to have facts on your side um i mean certainly i i i don't think you should be censoring pretty much under under any circumstance but Definitely not based on how you feel. You have to have facts and he acknowledges in these messages that they didn't actually know whether or not this Hunter Biden laptop came from Russia. So on what grounds can you then claim that you're censoring because it is from Russia? And um, so I thought that was interesting. And, you know, other parts I thought were, I don't know, maybe underwhelming or not as interesting as I thought it would be. But still, I thought it was important to do. And I don't get why. Matt got so much vitriol
1: just for the act of of reporting it. Well, how is it even? Maybe you guys understand this better than me. How is it even PR for Elon Musk? I don't even see how it's PR for Elon Musk. It it, it he wasn't even involved with Twitter at the time. Now, well, the argument Musk is yeah, most yeah, yeah, the, the source right of the of yeah, this material yeah. and giving yeah. Taibbi the, the But how does it? Well, help? the
0: argument is that by how problem helps, the time... how does it, it help
1: Musk? I don't get that part. I
0: think the argument is that by problematizing old Twitter, right? Is that, is that what you'd say, Aaron?
3: Okay.
2: Yeah, basically, like, that, because Musk is the new owner, he's now the free speech champion. And so in releasing this, you're making him look good. But, again, like, it's not Matt Taibbi's fault that the old regime under Twitter centered a story. And so right. even if that makes Elon Musk look good, which um, I don't think really... It does. It, 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 I mean, because the fact is, he paid forty-four billion dollars for a website, um, and I and he's also, you know, and there's plenty of things not to like about Elon Musk, in my opinion. Uh, so totally. I just don't think. I, I don't. I don't think this like this like repairs his his reputation. Um, and even if it did help Elon Musk, the point is either it's factual or it's not. And um, the idea of like you censor, like you don't report on something because it might. Uh, be of benefit to some character who you don't like is just it's
1: it's childish, yeah. The stuff that I'm hoping to see more out of uh, the Twitter files, and they're alluding to there being more certainly, Matt has, and and Elon has. Um, would be the stuff regarding uh, suppressing people's followers, follower counts, um, shadow banning people, um. And and stuff like that that'll really show how Twitter has been used to con- to to suppress people's thoughts. I mean, I think both of you have uh, dealt with shadow banning, people plateauing with their with their follower accounts. They get close to say a hundred thousand or a million or whatever, and then it just stops growing. And that doesn't make sense. They're growing fast, 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 and then they stop. And it's pretty obvious, I think, if you look at it, that Twitter is. But obviously. It'd be nice to have some substantiation. I think that's what the Twitter files were for me on Friday night. It was nothing like groundbreaking necessarily. It was just confirmation of what we all kind yeah, of suspected yeah. so I got at Twitter. So, it's more. Anyway, it's more, only,
2: it, it's more detail on a really scandalous story, and 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 I look forward to more. Thanks. Thanks for the call. Correct. Okay. okay. Hello. Hi there.
3: Can you hear me, Mr. Martin? Yes, I can. Yes, I should like to ask you two questions, and also two questions to Miss Harper. I saw that uh, you paid a little visit to Mr. Hirsch recently.
2: Uh, to Mr. Seymour Hirsch? Yes, I did. Yes, I did.
3: Is everything okay with him? I mean... Nothing did to oh. him, did it?
2: Yes. No, no. Uh, he's great. He is great. And uh, I was just uh, paying him a visit just, you know, because he's the greatest, the greatest to ever do it, the greatest journalist to ever do it. And so um, I got to see him and he's doing great. That's
0: we got to bring him on Useful Idiots.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, that's a tough one. He doesn't really, you know, he's he's a tough cookie to yeah. book, but, but I'll try. I'll try. Yeah.
3: I should like to know, well, you must have discussed the professional matters when you visited him. And I should like to know what he had to say about um, the subject of your latest book, Russiagate. Uh, Yes, he,
2: uh, you know, he, I don't want to reveal any private conversations, but, uh, he has he's spoken out before about Russiagate, and he thought basically it was um, uh, he he thought it was pretty ridiculous uh, I think that's fair to say about what he said publicly and maybe he'll say more soon
3: for some reason I doubt it very much but
2: well we'll see, we'll see. I
3: hope so too yeah. and uh, my second question to you is um, this is very important. Um, you went to this event called The Coalition Toronto uh-huh. in the late June of this year? Correct. With your colleague, Mr. Blumenthal? Correct. When you were there, did you see Betsy Reed, the former editor of The Intercept in person? I mean...
2: Uh, I- yeah, I did see Betsy there. I did.
3: So she was there. Yeah. Uh, was she present when you and Mr. Blumenthal were on stage in the audience area? I,
2: I would assume no. I would assume that if me and Max Blumenthal are speaking, I would imagine Betsy would not be too interested in, in hearing that. Um, so I think it's fair to I can't say for sure, but I think it's probably fair to assume that, no, she was not present.
3: Wow, really? That's very courageous. What about your former boss, Miss Naomi Klein? The, was she there?
2: All right. Well, look, we're not going to go through a whole uh, rundown of every single person I've right. worked for. Yeah, or, no, no, or, no, no. Or, I'm not or, going or, to. Or <laughs> no, but no, she wasn't. No, to my knowledge, she, she was not there. No, right. no. But let's uh, let's so listen. Uh, th- those were two questions, and we want to give time to everybody. So we're gonna, so you have to save. So, uh, g- uh, I mean, go ahead and ask your question to Katie.
3: What I just, what I'm just asking this question to Harper so that I appear, um,
0: Fair and balanced.
3: I'm not neglecting this Harper. That's okay. okay. Don't have
0: yeah. to. If, you, if, you, if you're just doing that to be nice, you don't have to, because we have a lot of other callers.
3: What I just like to know that little event with the, Cover Action Magazine went on last Thursday. Yeah. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks. Were you Katie, there? Uh,
2: um, you went to an event for Covert Action Magazine?
0: Yeah, I did some stand-up for them. Okay, that's cool. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, thanks for the call. Okay, Ian.
4: Hello, 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 hello. Hi there. Good morning. Hey. Good morning. Uh, I just want to say I really am a big fan. Keep but- up the good work. Um, the other thing that occurs to me about the railroad strike and I'm wondering, uh, have have y'all read Howard's in the people's history of America? This all just seems like, uh, and I read that book a long time ago and it's really thick, right? Like thousands of pages and all these stories. But the one story that I always remember from that book happening over and over is the federal government stepping in to, uh, Bust up unions, stop strikes. So doesn't this seem just like the traditional role? I haven't, it's like it's always been happening this way. The workers have maximum leverage. The federal government is then utilized to destroy that leverage and it's business as usual. That's not a real question. It's just an observation, I guess.
2: I think uh, you're exactly right. Um, that is always how this has worked, and it's frustrating when it gets to a point where workers aren't finally in position to use their leverage, and Biden just steps in and says, "Yeah, no, sorry, you can't do that." And it's it's frustrating, and it, it puts people in a in a very bad position, obviously. And and now the and, the, and then of course Democrats can say, "All right, well, like we're going to fight for seven days." And hope that we can get some Republicans. Of course, the Republicans aren't going to do that, and uh, it's very deflating. It's very deflating, and people
4: feel very betrayed, understandably. It's crazy town, but it's it's uh, this is how the machine functions. It seems like this is what's supposed to happen. This this should be what's expected. I don't know why it continues to be so surprising. Um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Happy Monday, you all. Thanks. Thanks for all the good informations. Thank you. OK, uh, D.
5: Hey, can you hear me? Hello? Oh,
0: yeah. Sorry, I was muted. Yes, we can hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean,
3: the
5: railroad striking thing to me is just an indictment of where the Democratic Party sometimes stands on unions, unfortunately. Um, and CNN cheering on um, the railroad companies is kind of disgraceful, although I will know, like I always do, that more Democrats voted for the uh, sick leave than Republicans. So, um, I mean, I think Hawley and Rubio actually kind of got their pro worker fides for once, but I think that's important to note because again, I'm like, I always do. I'm always saying, well, it's like, it's, it's, it's presented in alternative media as if Republicans were the ones who were more supportive of the measure. But my, my real media critique is, I had a problem not of Matt Taibbi exposing um, the Hunter Biden stuff because, frankly, it needs to be exposed. I have a problem with the kind of inconsistency in principles um, of some people who are in independent – of some people are in independent media regarding who we're working with because while it was a good thread, the idea that Matt Taibbi as someone who says he challenges power is working with the richest man in the world to destroy a political opponent is to me uh, problematic at, you know, it, it's definitely problematic in and, and the idea that there was so much cheering of that. Um, and I saw Aaron, you know, talk about why he supports that. I just, I just find it to be kind of motivated by, by anti-democratic animus because it's, it's hard to envision for me to envision a world in which, you know, Jordan Sheridan or a TYT reporter partners with Jeff Bezos to, report on corrupt Kushner dealings with the Saudis, and it's hard for me to envision a world in which that would be received differently. So, so I guess I would say that's my media critique, because I saw Aaron kind of co-signing what Matt did. you know.
2: But, you, you know, look, you're making assumptions about Matt's motives, and I guess if you were in his position, and you're approached by Twitter and Elon Musk and say, hey, we have all these uh, internal files detailing what happened with something really important, the censorship of a major story about a presidential candidate. What would you propose, Matt? Do uh,
5: not not partner with Elon Musk. I would I would propose that he he uh, do it like independently and not be promoted with Elon Musk. Because if so, again, if, if Medi like just let's just put the store the shoe on the other foot. If Medi Hassan is partnering with Jeff Bezos to get dirt on Trump, people like Greenwald and Taibbi would be like, "Yes, these are elite liberals collaborating because no, that's what they do." No, anyway.
2: no, no. If if Medi Hassan got factual information about Trump no matter who it came from. And this is a point that Glenn makes tirelessly, that the source doesn't uh, negate factual information, that if you have factual information to report, then then you put it out there. And I absolutely think that if Jeff Bezos gave people damning information about Trump, I don't think any of the people you mentioned would be, would be rejecting it, no matter who it came from. Um, I and mean, now, of course, it's a hypothetical, so who knows? But look, I mean, look, to begin with, you have... People like Medi, who you mentioned, he works for Comcast, and yeah, Comcast isn't owned by Elon Musk, but it's owned by some really wealthy people, and so everybody, or most people at least, have some sort of tie to the elite in the work they do. I mean, that's why MSNBC exists. It's a, a huge corporation owned by an even bigger corporation. So, and I, really I don't think, okay. and so I don't think, I don't, I don't think Elon Musk, although he's individually, you know, much richer than the owner of Comcast, for example, I don't think he's beyond the pale. Now, does it look, does it look kind of, um, th- does it look a bit, uh, I don't know. Um, does it look bad that Elon Musk was like promoting this and saying, oh, stay tuned. And he's like popcorn emoji. Yeah. I mean, if I were, if I'd gotten stuff from him, I would have asked him not to do that. But, you know, he has the right to.
5: Because he's a, a right, because, and I know, I know people are going to say he's voted for. At this point, Elon Musk is a right-of-center guy. He's not a center-right guy. Like, look who he replies to, and look at the fact that, and this is another thing that bothered me again. Imagine Jeff Bezos being like, I need everybody to vote for Democrats in Election Day because it's important that we vote for them. Like, that's what Elon Musk said about, like, voting for Republicans, which I don't have an issue with, but I have an issue with the fact that someone who makes $300,000 at MSNBC or any. Um, Newsweek, uh, any mainstream legacy outlet that advocates political advocacy, you see their supposed elite status is used against them. I mean, that's what Glenn does. Oh, you're an elite liberal who does all that, which is fine. They are elite liberals. But if you're going to make those critiques about people who, let's just say, are 300,000, 500,000 people, if a billionaire, the richest man in the world is making political points and you don't call him out as a partisan actor or at least talk about his elite status, then that to me kind of kind of says a lot you know <laughs> like there's no world in which ben collins is an elite but elon musk is not and yet ben collins i don't think is an anybody elite.
2: but i don't think anybody would make the argument that elon musk is not an elite the question in this case this narrow case is whether or not he gave factual information to me that's the question i'm not saying it should be for you but i'm saying for, for me the question and i think he did and so it's like so if i got stuff from him am i obligated to trash him to report what he gave me i, I don't I'm obligated to be factual about him and be objective about him. And um, I mean, if you are not going to criticize Elon Musk in general uh, because you want to curry favor with him, that's worth criticizing, I think. Well,
5: that's what I'm seeing, though. Like, I'm seeing that because Elon Musk has like a lot of labor violations. He's, he's, sure. like, yeah. he's not a clean guy. And I, Absolutely see a lot not. Of, and I see a lot of, I mean, even in the Taibbi emails, I found it interesting that the part where, you know, Tucker Carlson who a lot of people in the left media are friendly with asked asked uh, uh, asked to help his son get into Georgetown like the fact that that's not blowing up to me it's like again <laughs> like any other media figure who was like in emails asking for someone to help get their son into school or daughter into school that would be well wow, this is the problem and it's Tucker and there's nothing and the only people reporting about Tucker doing that are the very same legacy media like I just think independent well wait
2: wait wait and is- the case of Tucker Carlson wasn't that he helped Hunter Biden's kid get into school, or do I have that wrong?
5: No, no, no. He was asking. I don't know if it actually helped, but he was, there was in the emails. He was actually asking um, him to help his son get into Georgetown. Yeah, you know, and, and he asked
2: Hunter. Him. He asked Hunter. Okay. okay. Yeah, and my point yeah. again is:
5: imagine Rachel Maddow was saying, "Yeah, help my son get into, help my daughter get into Princeton or whatever." There would be all the coverage. So, I think coverage matters, but I, I think the fact. Of what you don't cover matters. And I'm just seeing a pattern where it well, seems I, okay, like yeah, a lot of yeah, people are just yeah. motivated by – instead of left principles, which would be Michael Brooks style, we're screwing, screwing over both parties because they both suck. I'm going to just be anti-democratic party at, at both – at all costs. And I just I just fundamentally have a problem with it. And Aaron, I think it undermines the left movement because – left it left people on the left are easily dismissed as oh yeah these are just saboteurs rather than people with principles so so that's yeah
2: i got saying. that but, uh, yeah, i got that but the problem is i mean look i was called that during Russia Gate and um i it didn't matter what i said so for example if i would say that you know even from a strictly partisan angle in focusing on this dumb conspiracy theory you are giving uh, a huge gift to Trump ultimately, because you're channeling his opposition into a stupid conspiracy theory and the false hope that it's going to work out. So I would make that point, even from just a forget journalism point of view, just a partisan point of view. But that would get ignored. So you know, I've been accused of all kinds of things, and so the, the idea that like
3: you
2: know, it's very easy to accuse people of helping the right, but to me, I mean, um, there's a issue of journalism here, and the fact is. My measure is whether you're doing factual journalism or not. Uh, yes, sometimes people who you don't like are going to be helped by what you do, but as a journalist, that, that can't be your only concern. And I also
0: think um, that something that, oh, sorry, let me cut you off. I also think something that happens is that other people are politically unwilling to report on certain things, which then leaves people like Matt, they're kind of filling this vacuum.
5: Yeah. But but it's funny, though, because the people who like, yeah, I yeah, I, I can kind of I guess I kind of I still disagree, but I guess I kind of got here. I'm just concerned whenever I see a liberal and like ideally to me in, in in a leftist world. And this is why I know I know he's not as popular as he used to be. Like, I really respect a guy like a Kyle Kalinske because he's on the left. He criticizes both parties. But at the end of the day, he will say, like, look, these both these people are problematic. And this, these are all the things that Republicans are doing that I have a problem with. And I just, I just see that, that that kind of way is going on. And, and um, you know, I, I, I think it's also important to see, too, um, who the audience is. Because if, if 99% of your audience is, is – 99% of the people congratulating what you're doing are on the right and it's constantly like that, then I would say then you're not – it's not just that the right can only take criticism, which is what it's framed as. Oh, Elite liberals all agree, and that the right is so sensitive to criticism. It's like maybe the stories consistently have a right wing slant and i i I definitely think that that that's the case for matt and and i don't well
2: i I true. just don't agree with that i look i get I, like I hear this a lot that oh like all your audience is right wing and it's just uh like you say ninety nine percent and how do you know that uh, that's like and <laughs> my experience with my audience is that it's uh it's certainly not mostly right wing and even if it were you know i can't control who pays attention to me i can just control whether or not what i do is accurate or not and that's no, I don't what i think the
5: you to be like i don't consider your like takes to be like i, I would i would say if i'm just being blunt i don't consider your takes to be that partisan i would consider i consider matt and glenn's takes to be very partisan i think your takes are much more like anti-establishment i'm going to critique he, you know, war on both sides. I, so, so I yeah. I, I, I think in the case of located.
2: I think in the case of Glenn, you can definitely say he certainly focuses yeah. a lo- the, the the bulk of his criticism on uh, liberals right now. And um, you know, I, I think that's true. Now, I, I like Glenn's criticism of liberals because I I agree, I agree with most of it. Uh, and I, his point is that uh, liberals have embraced a sort of uh, ethos of censorship and uh mccarthyism uh against their particularly worrying and i i mean i i agree with that now does um does that mean that maybe sometimes he's not as critical of the right as as he should be i I think you can make that case but i it's like i also understand where he's coming from and um that doesn't mean to me at least that he's turned to the right
5: Yeah and, yeah, and the last thing I want to say, too, also is that, uh, I, mean, I mean, politicians are definitely much more um, and should be much more subject to criticism. But I, I do have a problem, uh, particularly with Glenn, when he'll attack liberal voters when, and this is not reported in the media, remember when you're talking about liberal voters, liberal voters are on average poorer than Trump voters. Like there's this mythology that, oh, Trump voters are people who, Trump voters are the wealthier people. Democrats did better with poorer voters, so I, so I think, and I'll hang up. But I think that's something that I, I wish independent media would keep in mind when you're when you're just focusing on Wall, Wall Street liberals and portraying them as Dem- as the only people in the Democratic Party. You're you're purposely being dishonest because more Trump voters are oh, than Democrats. <laughs> but thank okay. you for taking my call. Thank, thank you, thanks thank you. for the
2: call. Okay, Nazar.
6: Sorry about that. Was I on mute?
0: Yeah, but we hear you now.
6: Okay, go ahead. Awesome. Good morning. Good Monday morning, guys. Um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to make a quick statement. I wanted to talk about uh, two callers near the end last week said, up. but actually, I'll just go ahead and relate it to what the caller said. How about now?
0: Yeah, I think so. Keep going.
6: Hey, can you hear me now? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So I just want to make a a quick point um, about what two callers said uh, near the end of last week, talking about Aaron and his uh, his takes. But I can also relate it to what the last caller just said because it was great. Um, I just want to make a quick point about the difference between objectivity and neutrality. They're not one and the same, and they can be exclusive of one another. And so, like, according to, like, what the last caller was talking about, the objectivity is what um, I think Matt was more concerned about than neutrality. Neutrality, I don't think, is necessarily a um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not necessarily a, a, a virtue in journalism the way objectivity is. <clears throat> and so I just want to point out that like when These left commentators talk about, criticize liberal elites and left. Uh, I just want to quote Jimmy Dore and say, I criticize Democrats, not because I prefer Republicans. I criticize Democrats because they legislate like Republicans. And so I'll just, I don't want to take up too much time to talk. I just wanted to bring up that topic that a lot of people seem to recently have questions about is the difference between objectivity and neutrality. And, and assuming that just because a piece of information is not neutral in how it's perceived does not mean that the information is not objective, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, totally. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Uh, I, I totally agree. I completely agree.
6: Awesome. I I love you guys. Keep have... it up. Oh, okay. Um, uh, the last point I was just saying that
3: just,
6: just, because, a... Yeah. just because a fact – can be perceived as non-neutral or supporting somebody uh, doesn't make the fact not objective or reporting on the fact um, not objective.
3: Right. Yeah. right.
6: So the just clarifying that objectivity and neutrality are not always one and the same. And there's a fine line between, the fine distinction between the two. And I feel like a, a lot of these recent stories that's been covered on the news, um, a lot of people have been having questions with that you know so it's just like well all of this stuff is supporting republicans all supporting the right blah 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 you know but like it's like matt like aaron was saying earlier i don't care who it helps it's the truth and reporting right. the truth objectively is what matters regardless of what the that's right that truth is
2: exactly trotty. exactly all right keep up the great thanks work as call. Call. Love y'all. Thank-, thank you thank you thanks so much uh bradford
7: Hi, uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, I I had something else I want to talk about Ukraine, but can I just address the last two callers? Uh, The one before this one, uh, I have to say I'm a super liberal and I um, appreciate the fact that you guys are also seemingly pretty liberal yourselves, but-
0: Leftist, I prefer leftist to liberal, but yeah.
7: Oh, I see. I prefer liberal to lefty because I think the left is the- I, I my no, my terminology is completely different i, I think huh. we both are upset about the same things but i use a lefty to uh, to criticize and just call myself a liberal but anyway because uh, i'm not afraid of that word i you I, it's not uh pejorative to me right
0: um i'm not afraid of it either i just think it has different connotations it's actually liberal is not left enough in my opinion but
7: Oh, okay. All right. Well, maybe you, you might be able to convince me, but, um, and then to what the other person was saying, um, I, I think what, what does, uh, piss off the left right now is the fact that I think for a long time, what their position was the right position, the correct position and more and more, the truth is showing when, when something is said that is true and it actually supports Maybe a position that's not so liberal that's starting to piss them off because they're not the ones who are right anymore, and um, or correct anymore, and that is something that uh, maybe we weren't as used to in our uh, political past in in this country. So uh, take that for what it what, for what it is. So um, I, I did want to ask a favor of you guys and um and it's it has to do with Ukraine coverage. So I've been listening to uh your 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 Monday mornings and some Thursdays and for a while now and I I have some talking points that I kind of go to based on some of the things I've learned from you and some of the things I've read about and I was hoping that if it's possible and maybe you've done this already and you can um you can point me to in the direction of where it is, but I, I'm hoping to have maybe a, perhaps a primer for the events in Ukraine, like a timeline, some motivations and in and who it's helping this uh, this this whole uh, situation, like, you know, from the coup and the, the DOS I think, email.
0: I um, think that, well we actually had on two guests who have books on this. One was Ben Abilo Ben Ablo. Um, and one was Medea Benjamin and they both have we've had them both on Useful Idiots and they both have very good books on this that are very short
7: okay and it talks about the the Donbass and who started it how long that's been going on the Victoria Newland all that Adam Schiff and you know and okay you You also can read
2: you also can read my articles on this I've written um, at Substack over the last year uh, a lot of articles about this background, um, going into as much as I can, and they're they're all there on my Substack, it uh, at Substack.com, and I'll put in I'll put in the chat one article that I think that talks about especially what happened in 2014 uh, that I I think is pretty good, <laughs> and uh, okay. I, I also we've interviewed um, Bronco Marchetich who oh, yeah, uh,
0: really.
2: wrote a good, good article articles. about this stuff, and uh, I'll, I'll put it in the Group chat right now, so you can see it.
7: Okay, and And, uh, uh, is that so? I'm a member of the Substack for Useful Idiots, but do I need to be a member to read your article? Okay, no, you
2: don't. No, Uh, yeah. I'm sorry.
7: Go ahead. No, no. uh, Go ahead. Yeah, and just one of the things that I don't know. Maybe this is just me uh, saying thank you for the for getting me this information, but that interview with the Lockheed Martin CEO talking about their building that factory in Texas and the way that the liberal quote unquote press was cheerleading, like the leader of the military industrial complex's new fact new bomb factory just was like, it, 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 it epitomized so much of what it is that you guys are criticizing. This this uh, neocon liberalism that has kind of been been festering and, and coming to the front now within American politics and um yeah. if anyone hasn't seen that I highly suggest they find whichever Monday morning you guys had that on and go back and listen to how you guys talk about it too because it is really unnerving to see see that type of cohesion between you know the problem and the press that's supposed to be. Dealing with that problem.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, thank you, and, and thanks for the call.
7: Okay, uh,
8: Nestor. Yes, hello. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Uh, uh, well, I want to get the opinion from both of you. Um, you know uh, about this uh, railroad uh, bill that uh, you know basically forcing railroad workers to, you know, work uh, against their will and me being a worker uh, for, for pretty much since I was 16 and being a worker in the construction industry uh i i my understanding of this bill is basically they they've literally made the railroad workers into slaves because if they quit if they quit that's a form of strike like if you've ever worked your whole life anytime you quit a job without any warning to your boss or wherever you work at, they would either blacklist you or they would beg you to stay. Uh, but if you stayed, even if they gave you like five more dollars or whatever you negotiate for, you're basically just staying until they find a replacement for you or you're guaranteed to get the pink flip as uh, uh, a moment that they don't need you anymore for whatever project that they're doing. So So, my understanding is that if a railroad workers if they choose to like all quit what are the legal recommendations that they would you know be uh liable for because that's basically what the bill is saying that if they can't strike that that means they can't even quit so they're basically telling the entire all of us that uh, they can legalize slavery again at least that's my understanding from it. From what I'm am seeing, mm. uh, what would you guys take?
0: Yeah, did you listen to our interview um, last week?
8: Um, I I think I might have missed it. I, I'm not because uh, uh, well, we talked who, who
0: to Ray, uh engineer and also to labor uh, reporter Maximilian Alvarez um, and Paul Michael Paul Douglas. So that's you may want to listen to that. But I think I agree with what you're saying
8: so so I mean th- that basically means we are very screwed right now um, as as if they can do that to them, you know what's stopping them from uh making more bills and uh, doing it to everybody? Not a lot, but yeah, we have freedom and democracy. <laughs> right. Thank you. Yeah, Thank
2: you. Infuriating. Yeah. Thanks for the call, and I totally agree with you. It's it, um, if you're if you're taking away workers' right to strike, then you're just taking away, as we talked about on the show, said their their main form of leverage and and, and their basic right, and um, and uh, it's, it, you know I. I don't know what the answer is, uh, but um, I, I do think this is a very important moment, and um, I hope something can can come from it, this positive, because it's, it's it's very dispiriting. Um, and thank you for the call. Okay, uh, James. Hello, James. You, hear you there?
3: Oh, yes yep.
9: sorry I had to click two things in order to get through um okay so I have a a couple clarifications I'd like to pursue on the rail worker situation and uh, and also on Trump's statement um, and also one comment to make about news in general uh, by the way I love you guys show love your work um but uh regarding the rail workers so as i read it um since the legislature intervened they de facto or otherwise made it uh illegal for the workers to strike is that so is that how you read it
0: yeah i think that's how you'd put it i think that's how you'd put it
9: so um at uh, Steve Bate on Twitter said that this allows the workers to be jailed. They can receive daily fines. The unions' bank accounts and assets can be seized. I imagine individuals' assets could be seized as well, like they did in Canada with the trucker protest. They'll probably fire the older members and keep their pensions. Should also note that rail workers don't get Social Security; they pay into that pension fund instead. So, if they cut them off from that, they're screwed. Does that all check out with you guys? Yes. <clears throat> yeah. So it was. I, I I would like to see all that publicized more, because um, I'm not sure everybody appreciates that. That yeah. that is what the Democrats put in place against the rail workers threatening to strike yeah you know actually
2: uh, i i didn't know that I, I i didn't so i missed that part where they've actually um so with the, that that was passed in the legislation is that what you're saying
9: i don't know i'm i'm, I'm asking you guys this okay guy, yeah no. Okay. So, twitter so, so, claims all this yeah. i find it plausible but i don't
2: all right well uh I, we shouldn't then comment until we know actually if that's true. Uh, I, um, I mean, I haven't read the bill and I haven't seen details about that being in the bill, so I don't know. Um, I think we should treat that with caution. But who? I mean, yeah, uh, it, it's also quite plausible, uh, and we'll check it out. So, thank you.
9: All right. So the uh, the uh, clarification about Trump. Now, his statement. I looked at it on Truth Social. <coughs> and um he let's see but quote quoting him he says a massive fraud of this type meaning election fraud this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules regulations and articles even those found in the constitution our great founders did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections i'm i mean i know i realize that people are reading that as Trump calling for a suspension of the Constitution, but he could just as easily be saying, based on the wording, that he's saying that election fraud amounts to a suspension of all rules, regulations, and articles, including the Constitution.
2: Oh, I see. Okay. Well, I hadn't considered that. uh, And that's a fair point. And, uh, at the same time though, I don't think it's implausible to believe that Trump was really calling for the termination yeah. of the constitution because I don't either. I
9: don't either, yeah. but I, you know, <laughs> I, I wonder what he, the way it's worded, it's vague.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well,
9: maybe, maybe problem.
2: you're more, maybe your maybe your interpretation is correct, but, um, I don't fault people for assuming the worst, uh, and what he said, it's just based on his, on his <laughs> record. Um, so thank you for the call, James. Appreciate it. Oh, sorry. I already clicked the next one. Sorry about that, um, Scott. Go ahead.
10: Hey guys, um, I I just want to echo the last caller that I've also heard um, that there are separate rules for the rail workers regarding social security. I saw I saw a thread on Reddit, so take it with a grain of salt. But um, my understanding is that there is some sort of of uh, like that there are separate rules for them for the interstate commerce that there's separate rules for them with social security and that they they're not tied to that that their retirement is much more important so i would encourage you to to look more into that um i also uh just wanted to comment on the other caller who was talking about labels with liberal and leftism and kind of relates that like in back during the first or the, during uh george w's administration. I remember getting into an argument with a person because they they were calling themselves a progressive and I got, you know, I I took the stance that I'm not going to call myself a progressive. I'm not I'm going to call myself a liberal because Nancy Pelosi and all the, you know, fake leftists had, had taken this label. Uh, and that I was I was retaking liberal because it was it was the naughty word that the right you
3: okay.
10: did deface us. Um, but I'm I'm with Katie that I identify as a leftist now, because I think that's more clear um, that we are left wing rather than, you know, quote unquote, progressive as progressive as Hakeem Jeffries and the rest right. of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. Um, but with those points out of the way, I just wanted to talk again about Taibbi and um, Twitter. And you know, I, I uh, I'm a supporter of Taibbi. I I subscribe to TK News. Um, I I subscribe to Useful Idiots. Uh, I, I enjoy the uh, the extended interviews. Um, I used to be a subscriber of of Greenwald before. I feel like his his uh, his view shifted from mine, and I didn't feel like I could support it anymore. But look, um,
0: the important thing is never to give up on useful idiots. Just want to make sure that's clear. Yeah,
10: yeah, sure. Sure, I'm a big fan of Matt. Matt's his writing is great, and that that's kind of where my my point is. Like, I think he's a fantastic writer, but I do not feel that his editorial abilities are are uh, are as fine as his writing skills, I guess, that, and that's, that's where the Twitter, my Twitter criticism of his comes into play. Um, I'm also of the feeling that the people who were all, you know, all saying he's doing PR for the uh, richest man in the world. I really feel like that was a meme that somebody it was like a meme that somebody made up that everybody said, oh, that's great, that's hilarious," and and started you know repeating it as if they had made it their own, rather than some sort of conspiracy to push out the the, the message. Um, but there does like the that my feelings about it are that. Elon Musk is obviously coming into this with an agenda, he he had access to the material, he has the the full range of emails. And I'm not aware of what Matt has access to, he might have access to everything and be able to to make the the call on what to publish. We don't we don't know what his deal with with Musk was. Um, But so Matt is really putting his credibility on the line by doing this release of of documents, um, and based on, and I I was you know I read the thread I was excited to see some kind of smoking gun and really felt I I fall on the side of you know not not being that impressed with what was released. Um, You know they've said other stuff is going to come out i'm pessimistic that anything is going to be that revelatory this all seems like stuff that while not you know while we didn't have proof of it we did have we know everybody knew that that this was a story that was being suppressed that was being um pushed away
2: right okay let me say let me say um just because we all expected a, something hugely explosive and a smoking gun, that's not Matt's fault, you know? So, so he put it out there. And yeah, look, uh, was it easy to read like an endless Twitter thread? No. Um, and was that probably maybe the a condition that he accepted from Twitter? Perhaps. I don't know. I haven't talked to Matt about it. Uh, but uh, at the same time, if you look at the thread, as I mentioned earlier, there was some interesting stuff in there, like, there's a part where a Twitter executive acknowledges that they have no idea that Russia is behind this, but they're still going to assume that Russia is anyway and suppress it accordingly. And that's ridiculous. That's like a ridiculous rationale for censorship. And, and, there's, and, revelations, and-, and there's revelations like that. And so the, que- and the question I asked before is: If you're Matt and you receive that, um, do you su- not put that out because the person you're getting from is Elon Musk? Well, and I just I, I personally think. You know, you should err on the side of is this in the public interest or not, and is this factual or not. And to me, the answer to both questions is yes, and so that's why I think it deserves to be put out.
10: I and I think that that's fair. Um, my uh, my hypothetical, I guess, is that if if or that that my my uh, comparison would be like a police department investigating a shooting and the police department has all the information and is, is selectively releasing or not. I don't know that, that it's being selectively released, so I can't say that, but, but has provided a journalist with information on the shooter. They may not have the same commitment to transparency that the journalist does, even though the journalist is reporting factual information. Does that make sense?
2: Uh, it does, but again, you know, as you acknowledge, you're making some assumptions here that I don't think are, are fair to Matt. And personally, I mean, knowing Matt and trusting his uh, journalistic integrity, I, I don't make the same assumption. And I, I guess, you know, to quote Anthony Blinken from Monday Morning Today, the proof is in the pudding. And so we'll see what, uh, we'll see what comes next, but I don't know. So I, I don't see grounds to assume that what was put out was selective. And I, I think Matt, out I was way to say that this to be even handed, he said that actually both parties take advantage of the censorship. He didn't say it was just Democrats. He said very early, very early in his thread that both parties do this. And um, he also, you know, and he's saying this is not like a he's saying, like, there's no evidence that the FBI directly said suppress this because this comes from Russia. It was more nuanced than that. But it, that doesn't make it to me less of an interesting story because the the story here again is that a factual report uh, was suppressed and censored. and if you care about free speech and being able to criticize our leaders and that's or, or, our leaders then that's scary to me and it's at least worth discussing
10: yeah I have, I have much more criticism of the commentary on the twitter files that i do of of matt but,
2: fair enough um, fair enough okay you. Thanks for the call Okay Uh Nick And Nick If you're there There's a mute button It should be In the bottom left Of your phone If you're using The phone app Uh And if not We'll move on Going once Going twice Okay
11: Uh Anthony Hey, happy Monday morning. Hello. Ah, well, I was wondering what you guys thought about, uh, I don't know if you saw it uh, yesterday, well, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, he responded. Uh, on A couple days ago, Maxine Waters tweeted, you know, we'd like to see you in front of the committee on 13th, which is next Tuesday. And uh, Sam Bankman-Fried said, um, I'm not going to be ready by the 13th uh, last night on Twitter. What do you think?
0: Hmm. Well, what do you think?
11: Me? Well, yeah. I think they should subpoena him, but they're not going to because half the Democrats on the committee are on a right. donation roll. And Maxine Waters has a lot of pictures with him, but I don't know. I think it's interesting. I mean, they should subpoena him, but I don't Right. Right.
0: Yeah. We actually—I don't know if you saw uh, today—but we had we so showed um, a Democratic Congresswoman saying that um, Catherine Masters saying that basically totally dodging on the Democrats' complicity with him.
11: Yep, yeah, crazy stuff. All right.
3: All
0: right. Well, thanks for your call. Agree is crazy stuff. Speaking of which, Sam.
12: Hi, guys. Morning.
0: Hi. Morning.
12: Um, hey, uh, I noticed a lot of people calling in, you know, are very interested in the rail strike. Um, I'm not really part of it, but I feel compelled to plug a podcast um, called Well, There's Your Problem. Um kind of headed by Justin Rosniak out of Philadelphia, and he's been doing a lot of good reporting. I think he had a cameo on Breeze panel uh, when they were talking about, um, they kind of had a flash panel about the, the rail strike vote. Um, but they do, I think it starts episode 98. There's the history of the Pennsylvania Central, which in 1970 they went bankrupt, and it was the largest bankruptcy in U.S. history up until Enron, Um, just a little bit of background on it. Um, or well, to get it like the, the podcast itself gives a ton of background and history on, you know, how poorly run our rail network network is in the U S and that we're one of the few countries that can't figure out how to make money on passenger rail. Um, there's a lot of really, really outstanding and also salacious content. You know, they got Pennsylvania central got sued for creating executive jet airlines that they were. Um, you know, using to uh cart their mistresses and stuff around um yeah, I just kind of wanted to put that out there it 's a fascinating history, and it kind of gives me a little bit of confidence in kind of understanding yeah how the how the labor structure became the way it is, and a lot of it is really it's wartime stuff i don't think that what they did really damaged any other unions because the well, rail workers have such a Oh, go ahead.
0: It's called "Well, There's Your Problem."
12: Yeah, yeah, it's a podcast about engineering disasters, and a lot of them are are fascinating and hilarious, and um, it's a good good listen. Um, I'd love to learn. I did. Yeah, have, I'd love so to learn. Yeah, go ahead. I'd love to learn
2: about how it is that, like, the tra- apparently, like the 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 train time. If you take like the train from New York to DC or whatever, New York to Boston. It's pretty much hasn't like the amount of time it takes hasn't changed in like
0: yeah because the car industry the auto industry I think
2: exactly yeah it hasn't yeah it like, has changed fifty years or something like that
12: it's it's yeah how's possible well it's but, you know they're running passenger trains on uh, freight rails too so you know there's an added level of um, you know uh, danger <laughs> added in there because I mean they do go I think they're elect- electric from DC to Boston what is that? the Acela. Um, and I think it goes about 130 miles an hour, but, um, you know where they can, but yeah, I mean, there's a ton of innovation that's going on. Like the rest of the world has access to, you know, even petro States out, you know, uh, Gulf countries and stuff, but you know, we just can't seem to figure out how to, how to make money on such a service or at least how to maintain it. Um, yeah. Um, And then I did have one question for Aaron, too. Um, I called in and asked Katie about this, I think, last week. But um, I was wondering if you had seen the Senate uh, hearings that I think Bob Menendez led them around the uh, the invasion of Armenia by Azerbaijan recently. And some of the war crimes that were going on there.
2: I did not see a Senate hearing about this. No.
12: Okay, it was. I'd, I'd love to see a little bit more reporting done in general, just kind of about that issue. You know, they're a young democratic country that I think they're, you know, I don't know if the, what, what the metrics really are uh, constituted with, but, um, Armenia, like with, with their recent revolution and changes of government that are rated as one of the most free societies or democratic nations in the world. Um, and it's only 3 million people kind of sandwiched by two adversaries and, um, I think it, it kind of aligns with some of the Ukraine conflict and also with Gaza and Palestine. Um, it'd be nice to see that kind of sprinkled in there with context. Um, you know.
0: All oh, right. You're the Armenia guy. Yes.
12: Yeah, a- yeah. Yeah. And also, James Adomian's outstanding. When he oh, yeah. interviewed Bernie he- as Bernie.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I know. He's amazing. Oh, my God. All right. Well, yeah, We will try to get to that.
12: All right. And James Adomi, when you had him on two years ago, he actually articulated a lot of, you know, he articulated the situation very well at the time. And I think that the the difference between what's going on now and then is that it was a disputed territory that was being invaded at the time. And right now it's Armenia proper and they're being backed by, uh, you know, uh, weapon support by the U.S.,
2: all right. Yeah, I know it's a really important. Uh, I, I know it's a really important story. I just haven't, I haven't been able to learn about about it to the extent that I'd like to. But I know it's very, very, very important. And um, uh, yeah, uh, thanks for reminding us about it. And James Adomian is on top of being really informed about Armenia is so funny. He's just a <laughs> comedic genius. Um, yeah, he's made me laugh so hard before with his impressions and. And his improv he's he's unbelievable. Yeah, no, right. God, yeah. yeah, So thank you for the call. Okay, No, thank you guys. All right. Uh, James, have you already called in, James? I don't remember. Yes, yeah. can you hear me? Yeah, have you, have you already spoken? Because if so, we're going to actually hear from someone who hasn't spoken yet. Because I want to be All fair right. to everybody. All here. right,
9: great. Yeah, I was going to try to double dip, but never mind. Sorry about
11: that. Okay, Imperial Rolls is next. Good morning. Morning. Uh, Just looking for a hot take on news coming out today about bombings on military bases, Russian military bases, deep 300 to 450 miles inside uh, the Russian border. Um, No one, according to the New York Times and everywhere else I've looked, I've seen that uh, no one seems to be claiming responsibility for these. Uh, but Aaron, you seem to be the uh, definitive voice on the Ukrainian situation here. And I'm just curious if you have any thoughts or any info that you'd be interested in sharing with your listeners. I am not the definitive voice. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, uh,
2: But uh, I don't see what you're talking about. So you're saying there's reports of a
11: bombing of a russian base today that's correct it is in the new york times live updates uh well um missiles missiles uh um apparently uh missiles uh, have launched and hit two russian bases one very close to <laughs> moscow the other in ingles um but there's very little information. So if, if you haven't heard about it yet, then I guess uh, more to come. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know,
2: Ukraine keeps getting all these weapons. And we know that they've wanted weapons that can hit deep inside Russia. And apparently Biden's been hesitant to provide those weapons. But, um, you know, uh, I-, I wouldn't be surprised if Ukraine has the capacity to do that. Uh, they have a lot of weapons and uh, look, you know, they, they have the right to do it. I think they're being invaded by Russia. So they have the right to fight that. Um, I just don't think it's going to work out in, any, in
11: anybody's interest to keep this war going. And um, I mean, I, I, it, I agree with you and yeah. it did immediately spark a barrage uh, missile attack from Russia in order to, uh, target more energy infrastructure inside of Ukraine. Um, Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And
2: and, and this was all predicted and this is why, you know, like under Obama, Anthony Blinken was pointing out that no matter how much we arm Russia, uh, no matter how much we arm Ukraine, Russia will always have the advantage, but it's like, that's been forgotten now, or at least it's been ignored. Uh, And um, flooding this war with more weapons will just lead to more situations like this. So thank you for, uh, for talking us about it.
11: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, hopefully we'll see some more information and yeah. uh, your take will evolve. But thank you again. And oh, also, I just wanted to say that I love this program. Earlier, I felt like I was watching Eric Bogosian in talk radio. Um, so uh, absolutely love the call-in program. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks a lot. Well, what a nice way to end the show on a compliment.
0: Yeah.
2: Instead of us being uh, attacked. Uh, which you know, happens sometimes. So thank you for, for, for that. And uh, thanks to everybody who uh, tuned in today and called in. And we will be back on here next time. Same time, same channel.
0: Same bad time, same bad place. Thanks, everyone.
2: Yeah. Bye.